You're listening to the Lucas Askew Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Askew. Hello world! Welcome to the Lucas Askew Experience. We are coming up on the start of September, which I may be biased, but I do think is the greatest month on the calendar. From a life perspective, yes, I happen to be born in this month. But it wasn't until the end of the month, so not as if my first week was spent basking in the wonderful fall weather. But what makes September the top month to me is two reasons. One, it's the start, at least in Canada, of school. You have the beginning of the fall season. With leaves changing color and a cooler brisk in the air, it gives you that strong depiction of a new beginning. And who doesn't love fresh starts? Am I right? But the second reason, though and maybe a little closer to my heart, is the start of the American football season. The sports month in September in general is chock full of meaningful baseball games, the tennis U.S. Open, and the beginning of college football and NFL seasons. And as you know from episode 5, I could talk about college football for hours. So today on the pod, I'm, I'm branching out and giving you, the LAE faithful, a sampling of the type of football conversation you want to hear. First up, my go-to sports water cooler conversation, which is college football. I'll be breaking down the college football season and making my predictions for the college football playoff. Spoiler alert, I like the SEC chances this year. Then following this riveting college football discussion, I do mean riveting, I'm joined in studio by a member of the Dallas Cowboys to talk about their season ahead and touch on the key headlines going into this NFL football season. Share some fantasy sleepers for those of you that play. And play the role of Roger Goodell, obviously with a slightly higher approval rating. I'm recording this intro after doing both these segments. They're a little on the meaty side in length. I just had so much to talk about. So to make it easier for you, the listener, to consume and bring on an additional sponsor to the show, we've broken up this pigskin preview into two episodes. You can tweet me at Lucas underscore Askew if you didn't like the separation. But... Ultimately, what what is done is done. So enough up front. Let's go to our college football preview segment. But before we bring on our guest, it's time to show our love to the new, wonderful LAE sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Cetaphil the daily facial cleanser and moisturizer that will make you feel as if you're perpetually 22. Not just after listening to a Taylor Swift song. Now fellas, this product message is specifically geared towards you. I already know the female listeners are regimented about proper facial care, but us men tend to push this off as we want to be able to display some sort of brute manliness. Well, newsflash for you guys. There's nothing more manly than radiant-looking skin. As someone who struggled with acne growing up and was so close to being featured on that other company's mass commercial campaign, you know who I'm talking about, I constantly look for a skincare solution that would be tough-acting but gentle. As you know, I'm a delicate one. For years, I tried different options until a friend of mine recommended to me Cetaphil. Cetaphil's formula is a scent-free and oil-free solution. The lack of toxic chemicals and potent fragrances make it perfect for any type of skin. 
Cetaphil has acne-specific solutions like the Restoderma Eczema Calming Wash. However, my favorite product are their daily facial cleansers and moisturizers. They are easy to apply and provides the coverage I need to last a long, grueling day. I know this is an audio podcast, so you can't see the impact it has had, but take my word when I say my face is cleaned up and I'm a more confident person as a result. Cetaphil can be found at your local grocery store, so be on the lookout. It's a blue, green, with a hint of yellow uh, looking package. Plus, Cetaphil is at a respectable price point, so you're not breaking the bank to taking care of your skin. Cetaphil. The future endorsement for professional golfer, Phil Mickelson. Welcome back to the Luke Sanescu Experience. This is part one of the Pigskin Preview. Today we're talking about a billion dollar entity. No, I'm not referring to the National Football League. I'm talking about the billion dollar non-profit organization known as the NCAA. The NCAA and college football are back for another tentilating season. This is year four of the college football playoff, where the champion at the end of the season is now determined on the field, as opposed to through some highly intelligent computers who overvalue the quality of your road wins anyways. After an exciting finish to last year's college football playoff, what do you know, the Alabama Crimson Tide found their way back to the top of the preseason poll. Despite losing to the Clemson Tigers on a last-second touchdown last season, the Crimson Tide are once again the favorites. But you didn't come to this podcast to listen to me just brag about Alabama and how Heisman hopeful Jalen Hurts is poised to improve during his sophomore season. I'm not an Alabama guy, but I still appreciate quality teams. No, you came for the full experience, so I'll be breaking it down. Conference by conference. The Big Five and the Not-So-Power Five. I'll share my thoughts, make my picks for the final four in the college football playoff, and ultimately who I think will be holding that fable Dr. Pepper championship trophy on January 8th in Atlanta, Georgia. But before I dive in, a couple of notes for those as not close to the college game, as I know I have some listeners that college football isn't their preferred cup of tea. I will be spewing some nitty gritty facts, but trying to liven this preview up so you can find a horse to root for. Got some feedback from folks. I don't want to just make it college football centric, even though I'm very passionate about it. I want to connect with you, the listener, on a deeper level. So when I when I talk about the college football playoff, that is the final four of college football. Many of you may know March Madness, as evident by the March Madness preview show uh, a few episodes back. This is the the equivalent in college football. The top four teams at the end of the season duke it out in two semifinals with the winners meeting the following week for that championship title. you also hear me reference New Year's Six. No, that's not a unique way of referring to New Year's Eve. Uh, the New Year's Six is actually a group of bowls, two semifinal games that I mentioned, as well as four other high-profile college football bowl games. Don't worry, we won't be doing another preview show of the Bulls yet. That's not until late December, so you can mark your calendars, as I know you'll be anxiously awaiting. So that, that's enough housekeeping. So we'll start with uh, my preview of the non-Power 5 conferences. It's hard to use the word parity in college football when you compare the, the Power 5 conferences, the Big 12, the Pac-12, 
the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC versus those other conferences as the non-Power 5 conferences. The facilities, the recruiting talent, the media exposure, and definitely the money, there's more of it uh, in those Power 5 conferences. So it's very tough for these non-Power 5 schools to get recognized and, and get into the national spotlight. But as Western Michigan showed last year, by rowing their boat all the way to the Cotton Bowl, there is a place for these schools to compete against the big boys. So here are a couple schools I like to make a run and potentially crash the New Year's Six party. First school, University of South Florida, or USF. I feel this is a trendy pick to sneak their way into the college football playoff. That might be a little bit high of a ceiling, but I do like them to run the table through their conference. University of South Florida is led by their senior quarterback, Quinton Flowers, who could be a dark horse Heisman contender after accounting for 42 total touchdowns last season. Flowers is joined in the backfield by a two-headed attack of redshirt freshman Elijah Mack and senior Dearness Johnson. It is weird to have a pick like this for a first-year head coach. Normally, a coach comes in, needs to create their own culture. There's a little bit of rebuilding that happens. However, Charlie Strong, who is the USF Bulls' new head coach, he's not your average first-year head coach. Strong is the former Louisville Cardinals coach, as well as most recently the Texas head coach. He's someone that I don't think gets the respect he deserves. He came into Texas, and we realized that Mac Brown didn't leave the cupboard completely bare, but there wasn't a lot. As well, he had to change the culture and really clean up the program. That has been his strength in Louisville and Texas, and as clean those programs up well. But as we know, the folks in Texas have a very short leash, and he was let go last year. I think that is a bonus to the USF Bulls. He brings a defensive mentality that can really rev up their, their defense to the next level. I like what he's done thus far uh, during his tenure, and he has a fairly easy non-conference schedule, and even the conference schedule in the AAC. I think the Bulls will definitely be the, the team on the cusp the New Year's Six Bowl game. My other non-Power 5 sleeper pick, the Colorado State Rams. Maybe it's the brand new stadium that can rival many Power 5 schools. Maybe it's the fact that they were on TV last week and I was itching to watch anything, including a game that had Oregon State playing. Or maybe it's the uniforms that look exactly like my alma mater at the University of Regina. We are the University of Regina Rams. Or maybe Nick Stevens and Coach Mike Bobo's bromance rivals that of Brad Pitt and George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven. Whatever it is, I really like the Colorado State Rams and think they can outseat both Boise State and San Diego State for the top billing in the Mountain West Conference. We know they have a great offense, but the defense has had more holes than, than most genes these days. In the bowl game last year, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, they gave up over 600 yards and 61 points to Idaho. Yes, Idaho, the team that will be playing in a division below next season. But with the defense bringing back experience through upwards of eight seniors that we'll see time this year, they're an aggressive group, and I feel that they can wreak a little havoc for opposing offenses this season. And that will at least give Nick Stevens the breathing room to win most of their games. They do play Alabama couple weeks in, but I like Colorado State to run through the Mountain West and be in the conversation as one of those 
group of five teams to sneak into the New Year's Six game. Now to the big boys. Let's start with the Big 12 Conference. The Big 12 is like that cousin of the family who peaked early with their accomplishments and is constantly trying to reinvent themselves to stand out during the, your family reunions. This year is no exception, with the Big 12 bringing back their conference title game to hopefully position their champion better at finding a way into the college football playoff. The recent standings of the Big 12 have definitely been dominated by the Sooners of Oklahoma. They've won at least a share of the Big 12 conference crown in seven out of the last 11 years. But Big Game Bob is no longer trolling the sidelines. In a surprise move just months before the start of the season, Coach Stoops retired and handed the keys to his program to longtime assistant Lincoln Riley to steer the ship. Football program is not built entirely by one person or one coach. So I think Oklahoma will be fine. So don't worry, Sooner Nation. However, I think it does open the door a little bit for their little brother from Stillwater to seize control over the league. I'm a man, and I'm well over 40. Yes, those famous words by Coach Mike Gundy was many years ago where he was fighting for his player. Coach Mike Gundy has the top offense in the Big 12 with Mason Rudolph slinging it and top wideout James Washington back from last season. The defense is always a little suspect with virtually any Big 12 team and OK State is no exception. They're ranked 67th nationally last year. The defense just needs to be a smidge better because their offense will continue to put up points. I like that defense to improve a little bit and give Mason Rudolph a little bit more of an opportunity to win those close games. If you want a sleeper pick for the Big 12 crown, though, look no further than Morgantown, West Virginia. Florida transfer Will Greer is taking over a team that won 10 games last year. The offensive line is back virtually intact, and that receiving corpse continues to feature some strong targets. Karan White, David Sills. Similar to the last year, the Mountaineers enter the fall with a lot of rebuilding on the defensive side. However, just like 2016, I think they find the right answers, thanks in large part due to their coordinator, Tony Gibson. They also have a safety starting for, the, for their team with the last name Askew, Drayvon Askew to be exact. So he, he has to be good. Coach Dana Holgerson was on the hot seat last year. It's cooled off a little bit. And I think another strong year from him and the team will cement his place amongst the upper echelon coaches in the conference. But my pick for the Big 12 crown, I like Mike Gundy's mullet and Mason Rudolph's arm to lead the Cowboys to the Big 12 crown outseeding the Sooners. I think the Sooners do beat them in the f their first in-season game, the Battle of Bedlam, but as the Big 12 opted to join the fray and have their own conference championship, they will meet again because it's just the top two teams in that overall conference. I think, I think the Cowboys get their revenge in the Big 12 title game. However, I'm predicting an 11-2 season and not good enough to make the college football playoff in my eyes. Next up, we have the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is kind of like your sister who moved to the West Coast for college and embraced sunshine and high-tech lifestyle. However, she didn't attend every class and has a hard time keeping up with the pace of changes now. I live in Pac-12 country now, and to be honest, I was never a fan of the way the Pac-12 played football and felt their parity was more of a result of overrated teams 
competing against one another. However, after seeing a few of these teams live, I think they're stronger than their national image would entail. This year, the men of Troy are projected favorites with Heisman frontrunner Sam Darnold leading the way. After that memorable Rose Bowl victory last year, everyone is singing the praises of the Trojans. And in the Pac-12 South, I don't think there's anyone that will get in their way. Sorry, UCLA fans. The ultimate litmus test, though, for the Trojans will be in Week 2, when the tree people of Stanford come to the Coliseum. Stanford has had USC's number in this game, even going back to 2007, when the Cardinal upset the Trojans, despite being a 41-point underdog. When I look back at the figures, I was flabbergasted. That was 41 points. Stanford this season replaces all-world player Christian McCaffrey, but they're a factory, and they continue to produce efficient skill position players and that balanced defense. Coach David Shaw, as solid as they come. But don't forget about the Huskies of UW. The defending conference champs are being slightly overlooked this season, partly because they won't surprise anyone like they did last year when they had the 12-1 regular season. They returned 13 starters, including quarterback Jake Browning and running back Miles Gaskin. Coach Chris Peterson constantly finds a way to improve uh, year over year. He did it all that time at Boise State and now doing it in Washington. He does have to replace number one wide receiving target John Ross, though, and rebuild a defense that showed its mettle by stopping Alabama's offense during last year's Peach Bowl. Washington does avoid USC in the regular season play, and won't be tested in non-conference play. So another strong record is a high possibility. However, looking at this conference in totality, my pick, University of South California, USC. Even though I, I might be drinking the preseason Kool-Aid, I think their side of the Pac-12 is an easier path. And for a one-game playoff in Santa Clara, I like Sam Darnold against whoever he's playing. So USC is my pick out of the Pac-12. Moving to the Big Ten. Big Ten is like Big Ten is like your friend that you would pick as a study partner growing up or in high school or even college. They have an abundance of knowledge and are strongly particular about keeping their GPA at a very high level. Your study partner, I'm sure, if you, you had one growing up, they were very by the book. However, there were a couple occasions where they would let loose, especially after midterm exams. You always knew that they would be successful, though, in their future endeavors, but always wondered if there was something else that they could have explored. That's why I think it's the Big Ten. The Big Ten has been much maligned as a football conference, partly because of their their bull record over the past four or five years. It hasn't been great. The conference, though, is deep with talent and quality teams. I, I don't think you can question the, the top of the conference, though, this season. It's... As, as good as they come. The Ohio State University, led by fifth-year senior JT Barrett, are your favorites. The team brings back a, an experienced-laden group on both sides of the ball. Penn State, the defending Big Ten champions, yeah, the surprise run last year, they're back into the mix with two-headed monster Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. I still am amazed that McSorley is as productive as he is. His small stature definitely fools a lot of people, myself included. He's as, as athletic as any quarterback in the conference. And Barkley is arguably the best back in the country. And when they travel to the Horseshoe in Columbus, he will definitely test the vaunted Ohio State front seven. 
Although that may be the matchup of the two favorites in the conference, only one can advance the Big Ten championship given the conference alignment structure. That provides the winner out of the Big Ten West division, the other side, with a golden opportunity to crash the party. I like Wisconsin to be that party crasher. Side note, I'm glad the Big Ten got rid of the Legends and Leaders division names. I know it was a few years ago, but that two, three-year period was very confusing. I didn't know who was in what division. Now it's Big Ten East versus West. I like Wisconsin coming out of the West. But the overall pick to win the Big Ten championship, I like Ohio State. Because Penn State is coming to Columbus, I think they have that, that upper upper hand. And Urban Meyer being shut out in last year's game against Clemson, he doesn't forget about that stuff. And he will have their team ready every single game this season. I think they don't run the table completely. I do like them to be tripped up uh, in their road trip to Lincoln, Nebraska. So that's my pick, the Big Ten, Ohio State. Next up, we have the SEC. The SEC is kind of like your uncle, a rich uncle at that. Your uncle loves to tell you about the way things were back in the day and doesn't like to change his routine because he's been so successful. You can't blame him. He has a wonderful house with a porch onlooking a wide span of land. However, things aren't as rosy as the bifocals your uncle actually wears. The SEC reign of dominance has been hurt lately, as Alabama has been carrying the torch with little resistance from the other supposed powers of Auburn, LSU, Georgia, and Florida. They've been down the past couple seasons, which has severely weakened the league's reputation. So who can dethrone Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide? One word. Nobody. Nothing would bring me more joy than seeing Nick Saban wallowing on the sideline after a crushing defeat. However, old St. Nick took over the Alabama program. He has compiled a cool 101 wins against 19 losses. Yes, 19 losses during this time. 2007 to present. For perspective, during that same time period, New Mexico State, yes, not the, not the strongest football program, but New Mexico State, they have combined to win only 27 games during that same time period. To, to say Nick Saban has been dominant at Alabama would be an understatement. So outside of Alabama, how is the rest of the conference going to do? You have LSU, who decided to go all in on the fast-talking, energy-drink-pounding Ed Orgeron. I think he's entertaining, although it's tough to match the entertainment value of grass-chewing less miles. But with all the buzz around Coach O, I still think the narrative is, is the same at LSU. A ferocious defensive line led by NFL talent across the board keeps the team in every game. However, their sputtering offense doesn't finish the job, especially late in games. I'm always baffled at the talent LSU can recruit for almost every position except quarterback. When Matt Mock or should I say Dr. Mock, with a booming dental practice in Aurora, Colorado, I might add, is your best quarterback product in over a decade, you aren't creating too many intimidating offensive units. So outside of LSU, then you have Auburn, which has Baylor transfer Jarrett Stidham, hoping to add some semblance of a passing game to Gus Malzahn's always tough rushing attack. And don't forget about Florida. Tim Tebow might not be walking through the, that door, but... Notre Dame transfer, Malik Zaire is, and he may be the pop the Gators need to get back to the SEC championship. 
You'll notice I didn't talk about Tennessee during this preview. Well, actually, I'm now talking about them now, but I'm not going to go into more depth. I think Coach Butch Jones is under enough fire right now, so I'm not going to pile on, but pencil in the Vols for an 8-4 and four season. And before the bowl game, I think Jones and the team decide to part ways. So at the end of the day, the SEC championship, to me, still runs through Tuscaloosa. Bama can afford to lose one game in conference and still be comfortable in that playoff. Also, I do think they beat Florida State in week one. Nobody beats Saban in spotlight games in, in week one, period. Next up, we have the ACC. The ACC, I liken them to being your retired parents. Best known for being your mom or dad and raising you to being the person you are today. Now they're able to reinvent themselves. Now that you're off the payroll, either gone to college or somewhere else, they can travel and finally have experiences worth bragging about to your friends' parents who live within the neighborhood. The winner of two of the last four national championships has come from this basketball conference known as the ACC. Florida State and Clemson have been the class of the conference for the better part of a decade, and now they both have won recent national championships. Both the Seminoles and Tigers are ranked high again this year, as reloading is their only option. The Seminoles bring back the French Prince of Bel-Air, D'Andre Francois. This paired with an always stingy defense, which is boosted by getting All-American safety Derwin James back from a knee injury, will make them tough. The Tigers are having to replace their heart and soul Deshaun Watson, who might be starting for the Houston Texans in the Professional Football League, though. Clemson may rely on their defense to win games in the early part of the season until their quarterback system finds its path. My pick? I still believe in Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. can't believe I didn't touch on him earlier. Although replacing your all-world QB is not easy, I think the Tigers have shown that Clemsoning, or losing big games, is a thing of the past. This team has grit and toughness, and the game against Florida State is in Death Valley, South Carolina. I wouldn't want to mess with anyone there. That is why the Clemson Tigers are my pick to win their third straight ACC title. So, all the, all the picks from the Power 5 conferences boils down into the college football playoff, the Final Four. I believe in the Final Four are Alabama, Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. I have Alabama, the number one seed, matching up with Clemson in the Tide versus Tigers Part 3. That's one semifinal. And USC and Ohio State squaring off in the other semifinal. Nick Saban, as I told you, doesn't like to lose games in week one, nor do I think he loses to teams multiple years in a row. I like Alabama in the one semifinal. And I like, I like USC advancing against Ohio State. And ultimately, Alabama-USC playing in the, the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia. I hate to do this, but if I'm picking one of those two teams, roll darn tide. I hope I'm wrong, but as a betting man, which I tend to do now that I, I'm no longer employed by the NCAA and it's legal, my, my money's on Alabama this year. So that does it, your college football season preview. Technically, it's, it's already started with the week zero games that took place. But now that September is here, Saturdays are for college football all the way through January 8th. Thanks in advance, Julie, for watching these games with me.
Thanks again to our sponsor, Cetaphil. Uh, and thank you for listening, as always. Catch part two of the Ultimate Pigskin Preview, where I shift my attention to the NFL. That pod will be up in the next few days, so be on the lookout for it. It's a great time of year, folks. So I hope you enjoy a little Labor Day long weekend action. But until next time, take care, talk soon, and God bless. <laughs>